0: Good bone health makes active aging possible. Join us for inspiring conversations from diverse perspectives in osteoporosis from patients, healthcare providers, caregivers, policymakers, researchers, advocates, and innovators. Protect your ability to live your best life. The information and opinions expressed in Bone Talk are not intended to replace the services of trained and qualified health professionals or to be a substitute of medical advice of physicians. You may review the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation's full medical disclaimer at bonehealthandosteoporosis.org.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Bone Talk. I'm Claire Gill, CEO of the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation. Today, we're diving into a topic that is very important to us at the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation and also to millions of people impacted and it deserves a lot more attention. Did you know that one in three women worldwide over the age of 50 will experience a broken bone due to osteoporosis? That really is a staggering statistic. And it's not just women. 200 million people globally are estimated to have osteoporosis, a condition that can significantly impact their quality of life. But there is good news. There are organizations and initiatives working tirelessly to make a difference all over the world. Today, we're shining a spotlight on the Global Healthy Living Foundation and their incredible global bone health initiative, Strong Bones and Me, which is making a significant impact in the world of bone health awareness. Joining me from the Global Healthy Living Foundation are two individuals at the forefront of this work. First, Adam Kegley, Manager of Global Partnerships, who's been instrumental in forging partnerships and collaborations, including with the National Bone Health Osteoporosis Foundation, and Angela Tapia, Senior Patient Advocate and Hispanic Community Outreach Manager, who's deeply involved in reaching out to diverse communities. Together, we'll explore the mission and goals of the global bone health initiative, Strong Bones and Me. We'll also discuss the vital connection between bone health and comorbid conditions. As you all well know, our listeners can get involved and how to support this crucial cause. Adam and Angel, thank you so much for joining me today.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for having us, Claire.
1: Thank you for having us. So let's dive right in. Let's start with you, Adam. Can you please tell us about the goals and missions of the global bone health initiative, Strong Bone and Me? Sure.
2: Thank you again so much for having Angel and me on Bone Talk, Claire. It's quite the pleasure. We're really excited, of course, to be here with you today and to talk about Strong Bones and Me. As you mentioned, that is the Global Healthy Living Foundation's Global Bone Health Initiative that's centered on education and engagement for people living with or at risk for osteoporosis. So I would probably say our main mission with Strong Bones and Me is to do a few things, and that's raise awareness, collect evidence, and provide education on osteoporosis and risks for developing it or living with it, all with an emphasis especially on not only the connections between co-conditions and osteoporosis, but especially secondary fracture prevention and post-fracture care for people who are living with osteoporosis, so we have been raising awareness among broader communities across the globe, including bone health groups and many other disease states, or many other groups that focus on other disease states, providing educational tools and resources for patients and their caregivers. We've been collecting evidence from patients to gather their knowledge of osteoporosis and on fracture prevention, and to better enhance their understanding of and engagement in post-fracture care and secondary fracture prevention so that they can better their own care. We've also been building and delivering educational resources to support increase in bone density screenings or DEXA scans and connected condition and, of course, secondary fracture uh, prevention-specific education amongst osteoporosis patients, caregivers, and more.
1: That's so important. And I'm really thrilled that you guys are helping to connect with those organizations and groups that serve people who have conditions that are related to bone health. We've talked about it so much and, and it getting beyond just the bone health community is so important. And that's what I think it makes it such a great program is that it's really reaching out to everybody who can be impacted by bone health. And we need we need more of that. So can you talk a little bit, Adam, I know we're one of the groups, but can you talk about a little bit more about some of the other groups that you've been reaching out to in the communities beyond the bone health and osteoporosis world?
2: Sure. I'm actually really glad you brought that up because... It was really important for us to engage a really broad range of patient organizations that are focused on all sorts of different disease states, including bone health, of course, with BHOF's kind participation. But we've also reached out to groups focusing on everything from prostate cancer to musculoskeletal conditions, women's health, organizations focused on aging or healthy aging and better aging for people as they get older and lots more. So we ourselves, of course, don't claim to be the bone health experts. That was never the case for us or what we wanted to do. There are many organizations doing phenomenal work in that space. Of course, you and the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation uh, included with all that you're doing and the coalition that you lead with uh, the Coalition to Strengthen Bone Health, which we're part of. So thanks for that. But we were hearing from our patient community and other patient orgs from around the world that that there was a real urgency to build a bridge across conditions on specifically the importance of bone health and tailored information on the connections between osteoporosis and other conditions, many of which we focus on here at GHLF, and also the urgent need for developing resources on fracture prevention which many organizations just don't have the time and resources to do. So we wanted to make sure we get in where we fit in, so to speak, and to fill that gap on direct-to-patient education, engagement, and support with the help of their patient orgs around the world and their localities in many other disease states. And that's kind of what led us to develop our Strong Bones and Me Global Council, on which you sit for BHOF.
1: Yeah, well, and again, I think just a great idea. I think there's so much more focus these days, as there should be, on collaboration among health organizations to sort of, especially those that are serving the same population. So it makes perfect sense. And again, we're so delighted to be participating in that. But, Angel, why don't you tell us a little bit about
3: the Global Council? Gladly. It's really the center of the collaboration that we talk about. It consists of representatives from various organizations that are all working together really to guide our efforts and help us engage with the patient communities that are worldwide. It's something that, as you know, Adam mentioned, we are not the bone health experts. We want to be that conduit. We want to be that support. So we've created this council so that we can convene virtually. We can represent different countries, different areas of specialty, and really to exchange knowledge to share resources and also to distribute the educational content and materials that we create that we get feedback on from our council members and they also serve as like that bridge into their communities and also the patient organizations so the collaboration of the the council is really the patient group gain and value uh, that we get are having those insights so that we can create some of that customized content That's really focused for the patients? And what is the significance of bone health and education within that group? What is the importance of the advocacy that directly affects their region? So additionally, we also collaborate and we learn from what other organizations are doing. So we're sharing some best practices and ideas. And those are all lessons that we can take back to our individual communities as well.
1: That's terrific. And again, I think there's going to be so much more work that we can all do together to advance these areas. But for anybody listening who maybe doesn't know about when we talk about co-conditions and their impact on bone, Angel, can you tell us a little bit about some of what are those co-conditions we're talking about and
3: how do they impact people
1: with osteoporosis?
3: So, I'll first say that we have amazing articles and printable infographics on the Strong Bones and Me website that goes into great details. And I encourage everyone to look that up. I will share that, you know, there are many co-conditions that impact bone health and osteoporosis. And that includes things from hormonal imbalances to chronic inflammatory conditions like rheumatoid arthritis or inflammatory bowel disease. Some of the medications that are used to manage uh, comorbidities such as corticosteroids can weaken bones over time and that also can increase bone fractures. So certain comorbidity medications, you know, that affect nutrient absorption or utilization. So that can lead to deficiencies in key bone building nutrients like calcium and vitamin D, which as we know are very essential for maintaining bone health. So addressing the medical comorbidities and co-conditions that impact bone health and osteoporosis, we feel is very crucial to preventing fractures, to improving quality of life. And that also helps reduce healthcare cost because it promotes long-term well-being. So being proactive in the management of these issues we feel can impact just overall health. And when we look at the well-being of a person as a whole, we want to make sure we're proactively managing these things to make sure that we are, as individuals, maintaining our health and our independence as we age. Early intervention is very important when we talk about the management of co-conditions and comorbidities so that we can help prevent the development of osteoporosis and so that we could reduce the need for aggressive treatments later in life. So again, it goes back to just our overall bone health as well as, you know, the cost saving to prevent osteoporosis and the pain of osteoporosis-related fractures. Yeah, I find it so fascinating just how
1: much our bodies are like an ecosystem and how one thing impacts another thing. And it's something we, we don't think about. And even in Western medicine, we don't think about it because it's like, oh, there's something wrong. Fix that. And so you fix that, but there's no then connection to, well, what's that implication on another part of the body? And that's what we were talking about, really, when we're talking about these co-conditions is we're getting treated for something that we need, absolutely need to be treated, but it turns out it has another impact on us. So that's really very, very important for people to understand. And we get that a lot from patients who have developed osteoporosis or low bone mass from a treatment, as you said, from some of these medications. And then they're like, why did I get this? And well, you needed to treat what needed to be treated first. That was really important. And now we'll be able to address bone health and the osteoporosis moving forward. So, but prevention, as you said, is such an important part and is a key. So, as you've been learning all of this and been focused on this educational outreach and you know, building this, uh, the global council, et cetera. What has your focus led to? What's the next phase of the program?
2: Sure, I can jump in there too and say that it's actually you and what Angel mentioned, it's kind of it was it provided really a natural segue for us, I think, into what was next for us, which was a really a um a focus on secondary fracture prevention and post-fracture care and that's still where we are and we're going to be enhancing those resources and developing new resources based on that as well. But what both you and Angel mentioned was the connection between the co-conditions and osteoporosis. When we were delving further into that area of work, we realized that there are prevention, of course, is key, primary prevention, you know, preventing somebody from getting osteoporosis. But what about the people who have these co-conditions that are living with them, and who also have actually already fractured and it's because of osteoporosis, but they didn't know it until it was too late. And now their focus is making sure they don't fracture again and also kind of discovering what is out there for them in terms of options after they've fractured. Maybe they don't live close to a fracture liaison service site, There aren't many of them around the world, actually. So what do they do? What options do they have? And if they do live close to a fracture liaison services site, then that's fantastic. But so our focus really shifted to concentrate on what do we do for people who have fractured already and who need to prevent that second fracture? What are the things that they're looking out for that they're concerned about? And also patient organizations were already telling us that they needed this kind of information in the first place, not only primary fracture prevention care and resources around that. So that's kind of where our focus kind of naturally shifted to, I would say, Mm -hmm. and where we're continuing to develop resources, actually, that are not only tailored to those specific themes, but also uh, how people might be able to engage in post fracture care options or services in their specific locality.
1: That again is so important and we're so grateful to have you involved in this area as well and being able to get the word out to more people. So, do you have tell me about a little bit about like what milestones or metrics do you do you have in place to sort of say well with all this good work this working, right? How are we getting to the goal that we want to and how are you measuring those achievements and what are some of those achievements?
2: That's a great question. I would be really happy to tell you about that. (laughs) Thankfully, we've had some good feedback and we know that things are working and reaching people. So that's always great. We recently completed our seventh interview in our patient and provider video interview story series. So the latest one was with an orthopedic surgeon, Dr. James Carson in the United States. And that series really aims to shed a light on individual patient stories, as well as expert advice from providers who treat osteoporosis patients, um, or or who see many of them regularly. We've had guests from around the globe, and we'll be doing more of those in the coming year. We've had a lot of positive feedback on those from patients and actually from providers themselves too. We're also wrapping up the first phase of our patient survey, which saw thousands of responses from people in over 35 countries. We've received some very interesting results from this related to patients' urgent need for more and better resources on secondary fracture prevention, go figure, as well as a better understanding of osteoporosis treatment options specifically and care plans in their given locales. So, We received also some very positive feedback on our educational resources. About over 90% of people who viewed them and let us know they reported they learned new things in relation to osteoporosis and fracture prevention. And a large majority of them are actually a bit more likely to talk to their doctor about their bone health or osteoporosis. So all those results have really been guiding us alongside the support from the Global Council toward our next phase of work.
3: And I think it's also. Important for us that when we talk about worldwide, we we have to think other countries. We have to think other languages. So, you know, we're really excited that we're currently in the process of uh, launching our Spanish platform, Mis Huesos Fuertes, and you know, it's a significant development because, of course, there's language barriers that can hinder access to healthcare information. So, we want to ensure that our Spanish-speaking worldwide access is accurate. It's culturally sensitive. And that we're talking about bone health, screening, fracture prevention, all of this free of misinformation, which is something that is a a real issue when you're talking about education in Spanish language. So we're very committed to aligning our efforts. We have introduced the Spanish patient survey. So we want to get that feedback directly from the patients within their respective countries so that we're also engaging Within the community, and we are leveraging patient stories and looking at those insights, and also working with physician experts as well that work specifically with Spanish speaking patients. We feel that, you know, we want them to be able to provide valuable information and perspective, having those unique considerations when you're collaborating with patients whose first language is not English. And it also just really underscores that importance of diversity for us in education and really our commitment to reaching patients wherever they are. That's so important. And I know you guys know this, but for our listeners,
1: BHF also has a Spanish language website called Huesos Sanos, and it's HuesosSanos.org, so people can go there as well. And I know that we'll be collaborating and sharing some of the information that we've got to go on your Spanish language website as well, it is so important. And I know there are a lot of other languages that we need to incorporate as well, but given the size of the population that we're trying to reach, it makes perfect sense to start with the Spanish language. And I love that you'll be doing surveys and I hope we can get information and feedback from you about what you learn from that, because as you said, hearing from the patients themselves is so important. So in addition to doing that in the bicultural communications what are some of the other next steps that you guys have going on? My gosh,
2: well, I can jump in too, just to say that in addition to that, because it was such a huge piece of and a really exciting one of what we're doing next. And I could jump in to say that we certainly foresee some really exciting developments, including more patient and provider stories, as I mentioned earlier, in more countries as well, hopefully broadening that into several European countries, gathering um, voices from possibly the United Kingdom and Spain and other countries as well. Of course, we will be trying to do those in the native languages of those countries. And we'll also be developing new educational resources about the themes that I mentioned earlier around secondary fracture prevention, broader understanding of osteoporosis treatment options, especially given a person's locale and also what options they have available to them, whether that be a fracture liaison service or other after fracture care options, given their specific locale. So we have those coming, and we also are gonna be encouraging our visitors to engage with all of our content, of course, through Stormones and Me, but also through Patient Spot, which is our new upgraded Omni disease platform, which is formerly known as Arthritis Power, for many of our um, members of our community. That's actually since been expanded and enhanced to serve and support patients living with all sorts of different types of chronic diseases, which will include disease specific content and a research registry. So we're gonna be encouraging people to find out more there as well. But I'll stop there because uh, I know uh, there's plenty more that I could talk about, but I'll stop myself there.
3: Yeah, that's good. Angel, you want to add anything else about some of the next steps for you guys? Yes, definitely. I think with all of the initiatives that we have, especially with Patient Spot being a great resource for us to be able to engage patients around the world, is really the campaigns that we'll be creating on social media. It is just such an important platform and it can reach so many people in different ways that our goal is once we get these patient surveys. We're creating this new content education that's going to be driven by the results that we have from our patient surveys, as well as the insight that we get from our global council. creating these campaigns to just highlight awareness. Sometimes the person who doesn't know about their risk is the person that we really have to seek out and find because our bone health affects all of us. Whether we have one co-condition or none, it is something that we all can be affected by as we are aging. And we want to do that in a healthy way. So engaging different ages, making sure that we're reaching out to various countries, that includes languages and different education levels. And I think leveraging our campaigns and social media support is very, very important to make sure we bring all of the awareness of what we're learning and what we're able to share uh, with this initiative. That's terrific. So,
1: Adam, you mentioned briefly about the platform that you have, the patient platform and engagement. How else can our listeners get involved? How is the best way for them to get involved in these initiatives?
2: That's a great question. I think first off is to visit our site, strongbowsandmeat.org, and to participate in our patient survey there to give us your voice to make sure that you're being heard so that we can understand better what you might need from us. In your specific locale whether that's the U.S. or elsewhere. And I think you'll be able to find all of our resources there of course both educational and engagement based. Go ahead Angel.
3: I was going to add I think another fantastic way to contribute to the initiative is really by sharing osteoporosis or bone fracture experiences with us. As Adam mentioned, patient stories are just a very important way to be able to find the commonality the experience of the patient or to get advice from a healthcare provider that works specifically with patients that have osteoporosis or bone fracture. So someone that's interested in sharing their story, whether it be a video, a written article, or joining our podcast, any of those ways folks can really get connected and visiting the website Strong Bones and Me is the best way to Send us a message and we will take care of assisting and all of the coordination of details, but definitely finding those patients that are interested in sharing what they know, what their experiences are, or things they might not know Mm -hmm. that they are learning. All of that is valuable.
1: Yeah, it is really invaluable. And that's what, again, all of us who work in this area are, are really here for, to help patients and their care partners figure out how do they manage these chronic diseases to live long, healthy lives. So it's really terrific that you guys are doing such amazing work in it. And I know we have only a few minutes left, but I do want to ask you guys just to share a little bit about the Global Healthy Living Foundation too, because you guys do such great work and we knew about you and had worked with you guys before you even got into the bone space. So I don't know which one of you want to take that, but I would love to just give our listeners a little snippet about all the great work that you do at the Global Healthy Living Foundation.
2: Sure, I'm happy to jump in and Angel, feel free to stop me if you uh, think I'm way off base. (laughs) (laughs) No, but the Global Healthy Living Foundation, I think my um, usual... I would say my elevator pitch is that we do research, advocacy, education, and support for people living with chronic diseases. And not only for them, but with them. We're constantly engaging patients in the work that we do in developing the programs that we develop, What well, we have our global council, which is comprised of leaders of patient organizations for this particular initiative, but we also have patient councils that also guide our work in specific thematic areas or specific disease states. And also across countries, we have a Canadian Migraine Patient Council, for example, we have a Canadian Arthritis Patient Council, for example. So, they're hoping to guide our work in those areas in their specific locales. So we really make sure that our work is not only for, but it's also with patients, I would say. And that's across all areas, research, advocacy, education, and support. We do a huge range of programming. We initially started in the inflammatory arthritis space, but similarly to what we found in the, throughout the Strong Bones and Me program, we found that so many people in our community had were living with more than just one condition. And we saw a real need, just ourselves, but also from them and heard from them that there was a real need to expand and to develop resources and educational materials and support in other disease
3: states. Angel? And I'll include, I think, diversity and inclusion is is definitely in the forefront of all that we do. And I think that's why across the sea states, we look at what are the barriers to healthcare. And and those are the things that we try to address by creating these resources and sending surveys and working within different groups in the community. That's something that is a common thread across all of our projects, whether it be research, whether it be advocacy, we make sure that that inclusion part where we're representing the patient's needs and we're making sure that we are seen as a helpful resource that is trustful. When we're working with different patient groups, when we're working with different countries and languages, you know, we have to build a trust of this is viable information. This is research-based information. And so we take very good care of our reputation with being someone that makes sure that what we are representing for our patients is something that is fact-based and that we feel that it would be of a benefit for the community. So all that we create is really encompassed in making sure that we are putting our best foot forward in representing the patient and being an aid in areas where they have need. That's terrific. As I said just a
1: fantastic organization. We'll have links to all the different programs and platforms that we've talked about that will go along with this episode. So you'll be able to get that when you're listening to this episode. And Adam and Angel, thank you so much again for being here and sharing with us about your organization and about the great work that you're doing and all of the great awareness and educational activities that you're doing around osteoporosis and promoting good bone health through the Global Healthy Living Foundation. We will definitely, as I said, have all of these links available to you both on bonetalk.org. And if you have questions about how to keep your bones strong and healthy for life, please always know that you can visit bonehealthandosteoporosis.org. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, please do two things. Subscribe to Bone Talk so you never miss an episode and please share it with your family and friends. We look forward to you tuning in for another episode of Bone Talk.
0: Thank you for joining Bone Talk, the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation's podcast that shares information, strategies, and inspiration about good bone health that makes active aging possible. To learn more about bone health, to become involved, and or help fuel BHOF's mission with financial support, visit bonehealthandosteoporosis.org.